So last week, I was studying for my sermon for Labor Day. And I was reminded in my study, I was going through resources and I was remembering um, that this one sermon illustration is kind of like one of my favorite sermon illustrations ever. And so I thought, well, I could use it for Labor Day because it touches, but then I was like, no, I'm gonna save it for this week. And so I decided to share this week rather than last. And it comes from this book called Chop Wood, Carry Water. This book came out in 1984. Mine is worn and weathered and tattered. Um, I used it so much in my early adulthood life. Um, but it is a book that lifts up Eastern theologies and Eastern philosophies and puts them at tension with our Western ways. And... Um, it challenges us, and that's why I like this sermon illustration so much, because it really does challenge us. So in this, in this book, there's a fable, and the fable goes like this, that there was a man who died and went to a beautiful place, a place filled with so much beauty, it was overwhelming. And then as he walked around seeing all this beauty, he also noticed that um, there were all kinds of fun things to do all this amazing activities to participate in, everything that he ever wanted, all the stuff on his bucket list. And so he stood there tentatively, and then what happened was an attendant showed up, and um, he asked the attendant, what is this place? And the attendant said, this place is for you. You can do anything you want eat any food, have any experience, just have all the pleasures your heart can desire. It's for you. And he was like, all right. And he zipped off. And day after day after day after day, the man did nothing but enjoy himself. Every pleasure, every food, every experience, every bucket list item checked. After a certain amount of time, though, he started to get a little bored. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I'm kind of bored by this. So he summoned the attendant. And the attendant came back and he said, I'm a little bored. Is there anything I can do? Like, is there some work I could do? Is there a way I could serve? If there, is there a way I could make a difference? And the attendant said, well, those are things that you cannot do here. Those are some of the only things you can't do here. You cannot work. You cannot serve. You cannot make a difference. And he was like, what, what kind of place is this? I can't work. I can't serve. I can't make a difference. I mean, I might as well be in hell. And the attendant lowered his eyes and said to the man softly, and where do you think you are? <laughs> See, in our Western mindset, we've been taught, sadly, that work is the enemy, that work is this horrible thing, and that it takes us away from pleasing ourselves, and that serving is one of those things that, yeah, maybe we do if we have enough, or making a difference is less important than making ourselves happy. And we spend all of our time wishing we could do nothing but make ourselves happy. That isn't heaven, folks. That's hell. Being on this endless treadmill of trying to make ourselves happy all of the time, that gets old pretty fast. And that treadmill that our society tells us we're supposed to be on, that's actually hell on earth. Making a difference, being who God calls us to be, serving others, these are the things that are in fact heavenly. In our new series, we're talking about reaching. 
and we reach in a variety of ways. And again, with our Western mindset, we see reaching in kind of two distinct ways. We see reaching to be our best. We see reaching for what we want. We see reaching as attaining and gaining. We reach, usually for ourselves. In the East, reaching is about reaching out into the world, helping, guiding, collectively doing what we need to do. And those two things aren't separated in the East. We can only be our best when we are in fact reaching out. It's only our Western mindset that has those two things being different. When I have enough, then I'll do something for somebody else. But that's not how it really is. It's certainly not a biblical perspective, let's put it that way. Because Jesus, and specifically who we're gonna be talking about over the next several weeks, Paul, they didn't write into or even understand or comprehend a Western capitalistic mindset. They weren't, they weren't into consumerism the way that we are, so they didn't write into that. Remember, they were from the Middle East, right? And so we're gonna be looking at, we're gonna be looking at Philippians. And we're gonna be studying this amazing book. And it is a book that Paul wrote um, while in jail. And he makes this absolute case of what it takes to be fulfilled. And we're gonna work through it. We're gonna, actually, we're gonna have a variety of Bible studies about the book of Philippians that you can plug into. I'll be teaching one on Wednesday evenings. Um, we'll be understanding Paul's writings well. And what we heard today is exactly the setting of the table. Because Paul writes out of prison that he's thankful for the people of Philippi, their partnership, their connection to him, even though he's far away and in jail. But what he does is he makes the case for what he really wants and then he'll prove it later. But he reveals, like any good author does at the beginning, what the end goal is. And in the second half of verse 10, of first, uh, Philippians 1, he says this. To help you determine what is best so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced a harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. So here's the deal. When you approach heaven, when you get to the end of your life, Paul's goal for you is that you are holy and blameless, that you are in a position for salvation. And why? What does that look like? Well, that looks like having produced a harvest of righteousness. Well, where does that come from? Paul will tell us that, and we will study those things, right? He says to be humble, to be a light into the world, um, to really reach towards being the best, and then he has a whole list of, of qualities of being a good human being that he writes about. We'll get to those. But I want you to hear that at the beginning of this book, Paul is basically saying, we have to reach and reach and stretch ourselves. But that reaching is never for ourselves. Paul cannot divide reaching to be the best and reaching out to others. For Paul, it's all the same thing. The only way we are ever at our best is when we are reaching out to others. It's one thing. 
We never should strive, according to Paul, for what is in it for us, but only what is best for the collective we. Now, we're gonna be talking about outreach here at Sheridan. We have big plans and a lot of work to do, and in a little bit, you're gonna hear more about what those plans are. But I wanna make clear, before we get started, what outreach is. I think the church has mistakenly talked about it poorly, or the church has mistakenly not said enough right things so that it was interpreted poorly, but I think we've collectively had a sense of outreach as being a program of the church. Like it's just one of those things that you do, right? Like I could do outreach if I didn't wanna do anything else, or that, like it's, it's um, Something you pick up on uh, the buffet line of Christianity. That's what outreach is. And that's not what outreach is at all. Outreach, reaching out to others, is a natural response to what we know God is doing in us and with us. When we're so full of an understanding of God's blessings, when we are so um, cognizant of what God is doing in our lives, we can't help but reach out. And it's not just in an evangelistic way like sharing the good news, it is reaching out to others who don't have what we have. When we're so full, when we're so blessed, we can't not serve. We can't help ourselves but serve. We must, based on what's going on inside us. That's what outreach is. Now, we make that mistake in a variety of ways with Christianity, right? We don't see worship or prayer or our own forming of our faith, our education. We don't see fellowship that way. We pull those off of the buffet line of Christianity as well, right? Because we're consumers by nature and that's all we know how to do. And so we worship when we feel like it. We pray when every once in a while we have a need. We serve when, well, I got nothing better to do. Those are how we approach these things. And again, we get them wrong. But especially with regard to service. With regard to serving, we say, well, if I just had enough time, talent, and treasure, then I would serve. If I just had enough, if I just had a little bit more, then I would reach out more. We might be able to convince ourselves individually that we're poor in terms of time, talent, and treasure. As your pastor, collectively, we can't do that, folks. We have plenty. We have, in this place, plenty of time, talent, and treasure. And we need to reach out. And we need to do better. We have to. We can't not. We must. I hope you will help us as we endeavor to reach into the world with God's love. Let's be in prayer. Amen.